been an interesting week in terms of the future of Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and people, including myself, trying to make sense of what was the single worst second week drop in Marvel history happening to Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Now, a lot of people might be looking at that saying, Marvel's dead for sure. Probably not. You know, until until a, a tent pole really tanks, uh, I you know I definitely can't say that it's dead. However, this is a very very bad sign. Um, it is a sign that Marvel can't just th throw whatever against the wall and see what sticks anymore. And they enjoyed that for a lot of years. It felt like there was absolutely nothing they could do that wouldn't make a billion dollars. And by the way, I'll be live streaming about this uh, later tonight, so I hope you'll stop by around 5 Central, 5.30 Central. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, made $32 million that second weekend. At domestic box office, that is a nearly 70%, 69% giggity drop from its debut. This marks the biggest week-to-week -week drop in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, if you look at some of these things, though, right? No Way Home dropped 68%, Multiverse of Madness dropped 67%. It's not that big a deal. Except it can be when you look at the overall, the overall uh, uh, trend for Marvel. See, Ant-Man is facing the second, I'm sorry, facing the worst second week box office drop in MCU history. But it's Ant-Man. And it's what, the third Ant-Man movie? And I know everyone loves um, Paul Rudd, but... Were you that excited to see Ant-Man or was it more like, eh, I'll see it when it comes out to streaming? I think that's happening to more and more people. As Marvel movies have become so obviously formulaic and it's just, there's nothing to be excited for anymore. You know, today in getting uh, improbably uh, teensy news, oh, yeah, got it. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium is on track for the single biggest second week box office drop in MCU history this is per variety which reports that Paul Rudd and Peyton Reed's third adventure centered on the Pym and Lang families is on track to make roughly $30 million this weekend, dropping 72% from its $106 million opening week. That'll likely still be enough to win the weekend. Sorry, uh, Bear, you tried, but it's still a massive pump for a film universe that usually magnifies significantly more staying power than this. Quantumania comes to this at the point of already getting some pretty rough treatments at the hands of the critics, Although the audience store scores are holding strong, it's only the second MCU movie ever to log a rotten score from critics. Um, who cares? Probably wasn't. A, we all know why they rated it negatively. It's because you know a bunch of them are mad that Evangeline Lilly uh, didn't like poke mandates. The real question then is what weekend? What weekend three of the movie's lifespan will look like? Whether it will settle into a steady rhythm for the next few weeks or continue to fade down the mysterious alternate universe? that shrinking scientists refer to as the itsy bitsy town as is Reed and Rudd can at least content themselves with the knowledge that they've already surpassed the MCU's lowest performer 2008 incredible Hulk with which brought just a meager 134 million. Well, I mean, I don't think critics have a lot of saying power in the MCU. I just don't, but this is not a great look, but if we look at box office numbers, right? Wakanda Forever, uh, certainly down from the original Wakanda. So Wakanda Forever, 
$858 million worldwide. Huge number, right? Definitely made a couple hundred million dollars based on the budget, probably by now. But when you look at the original, $1.344 billion. So it made $500 million less than the original. That's a pretty steep drop. That's a very big drop, 40% and 35% or so. If we look at, you know, the question of, is there any kind of future for Marvel? What's going on with Marvel? Well, I mean, the Multiverse of Madness, which in my opinion was, again, a classic mediocre Marvel movie. I did see that in the theater. Um, there was some weird stuff going on, like with the notes I didn't like. Some people liked it. I didn't think it really worked. But I don't know if you can specifically say that <clears throat> Marvel is dead after another stinker because you had the Eternals stunk. No one went and saw it, but who didn't see that coming? Then you had the third Ant-Man and the Wasp, which was never a massive franchise anyway. Looks like it's going to probably lose money. But so did the Eternals. Uh, Shang-Chi barely, I think barely, I think just got over the profit margin, if I remember right. So I think what this is, is it's representative of a really big drop in the good faith that Marvel had, where we would just go no matter what, and we'd see the movie. I mean, Thor Love and Thunder, with a, I mean, Thor, a Chris Hemsworth movie didn't make the billion dollar mark. It, I mean, it got 761 million, which it's like, okay, that's not nothing. But when you're talking about a movie that like was soundly panned, like as another meh movie, you know, with a six, $700 million break even point, do you think that maybe that's indicative of how Marvel's been treating its fandom? I feel like Marvel isn't dead, but they've just, we can see now that They've destroyed the good faith that they built in the first 10 or 11 movies. Will Spider-Man suddenly stop putting butts in seats? That's impossible. It's still going to do great. But outside of that, the future can, is pretty bleak. You want more Black Panther sequels that continue to spiral the drain, head in the wrong direction? Not that $800 million is exactly a failure, but it wasn't a far cry from the $1.4 billion the first movie made. Nobody wants to see any more Ant-Man movies. That's pretty clear. Guardians of the Galaxy's played out. Each Guardians of the Galaxy, in my opinion, has gotten worse. If you want to know the order of, you know, the best order for Guardians of the Galaxy's movies, it's literally just go down the line when they were released. First one was great. They've been downhill since. Still like them. Still like them. I didn't watch the Christmas special. I don't know if that was any good. Maybe you guys let me know in the comment section down below. But this is, this is the effect of burning the good faith with you know putting out crap movies or mediocre movies and not really having a backup plan for losing Robert Downey Jr. and you know many other stars. Chris Evans, Chris Evans will be back for more Captain America. I would suspect that Captain America movie is still gonna make eight hundred million dollars. That's still a lot of money, especially if Marvel can figure out a way to, you know, rein in the cost a little bit. But this particular movie, I mean the original Ant Man in the box office, it wasn't exactly, you know, a box office masterpiece either. If you look at now box office mojo isn't always isn't always perfect. It can be directional, but like if you look at um if you look at what Ant-Man 
the original one, 622 million. So, you know, is it going to, I don't think it's even going to surpass that. Ant-Man of the Wasp was 622. The original Ant-Man was 519 million. So the Ant-Man series really isn't that much of a banger anyway. Everyone likes Paul Rudd. Yeah, we get it. But it was 519, then 622, and this one's really going to stink. Like, this box office is going to be pretty bad. Um, you know, this article in Variety says, should Marvel be concerned? A second weekend drops go, anything in the 70% realm is pretty significant. But movies that open with over 100 million are generally front-loaded. In some cases, the bigger they are, the harder they fall comes into play. In other words, its second weekend turn of 32 million is not exactly encouraging this early in the theatrical run, but let's see where ticket sales end up by the time Quantumania leaves the big screen. And we could look at that with, um, what's the blue people one? Um, totally, I, I, I nothing those movies. I, you know, they're not for me. But sure enough, that movie people just kept going and seeing it. Why can't I think of it? Avatar. People just kept going to see it, and it hit two billion. Now, this guy says, I don't think it's a big deal. Jeff Bach, an analyst for an exhibitor relationships, it had the biggest opening of the series so far, which makes up for any drops. Plus, there's precedent. It's not unusual for major temples to earn the bulk of the returns in the first weekend of release. Marvel movies have become increasingly front-loaded because audiences want to see them quickly to avoid spoilers. In the $200 million budgeted Quantumania, which is the 31st installment, kicks off the MCU's Phase 5. Slate is no exception. Additionally, theater orders who set prices for tickets have started to charge more for blockbuster movies during opening weekend. That's scammy. That's why you shouldn't feel bad about when you buy your ticket, just choose child. I'm not telling anyone to do that. But as an adult, are you taking up additional seat? Are you taking up more room than a child? Then why are you paying 15 and a child pays 9? Just saying. Doesn't make sense. In fact, an adult is going to put more money in to concessions more likely. So, you know, I think you have a $200 million budget, which means it has to hit four or $500 million to break even, which it will do, but, you know, it's not that awesome. You can look at others feel it's a more heated box office competition and harsh holiday comparisons. That's concern for the latest Ant-Man. Expands a potentially worrying trend for Marvel. Though Quantumania endured the steepest fall, it's not the only MC movie to win a substantial drop in the second week. Lockdown-era entries like Black Widow, Thor Love and Thunder, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange, Multiverse, all suffered similar declines. Yet those movies, with the exception of Black Widow, which was released day and date on Disney+, earned at least $760 million, and as much as $955 million, that's Doctor Strange's total. There's an argument that Marvel hasn't been appealing beyond its target audience, but that target audience sure is dependable. No other franchise, dozens of films in, has managed to come close to that kind of consistency. You know, for me, Marvel movies have become a, I'll watch it on Disney Plus or I'll, I'll stream it. I don't think there's a single like Marvel movie that I'm excited for anymore other than Captain Marvel for content reasons. But we'll see now, you know, the Marvels, how that actually does. If people actually go and see it or not, because that will be the true test if phase five is the beginning of the end for Marvel. Looks like some things may be happening here. You know, I've long lamented uh, TikTok in general. I think that is an absolute net negative. 
I also think the way that its terms of service are set up uh, makes it impossible to refute extraordinarily leftist political positions. Anybody on the right who goes on that platform and, and, and debates a lot of these lunatics who are, in my opinion, trying to indoctrinate children, gets immediately banned. I was on there for about a month getting hundreds of thousands of views on videos, dunking on these leftist lunatics, and I was banned immediately. Like every single video got flagged and it was a constant struggle to even stay on the platform and get banned. We talked to anybody else. I mean, Aben Preach got banned. A lot of these, you know, anybody who goes and like kind of speaks out against one po certain political ideology, one that I believe is destructive, um, gets banned from the platform. And I also believe that the platform is essentially Chinese spyware. Well, looks like we actually have some interesting things. Federal, federal government has now banned TikTok and all employees have 30 days to get it removed off their devices. Now, <laughs> this is just the start. I think the entire, in my opinion, the entire app should be banned. I don't know. That's probably one of my more extreme takes, but I hate TikTok. I think it's a degenerate app that is uh, slowly destroying our youth. Uh, and I think it is, which that alone, I don't think is reason to ban it, but I think it's deliberate. I think that it's deliberate through their moderation processes, through the content that they promote, through um, their algorithms, plus the fact that they collect all your data and send it back to China, and they have been busted numerous times doing that. China hits out at U.S. for abusing state power to suppress foreign companies after White House bans Chinese-owned TikTok from all federal devices, giving workers just 30 days to dump it. China has accused the United States of overstretching the concept of national security after the White House ordered government agencies to remove the Chinese-owned app TikTok from all federal devices. Well, there's, that's just the beginning, right? There's a lot of other ones out there, but that's just one. U.S. federal agencies were told yesterday they have 30 days to delete the video sharing app from TikTok from all government-issued devices, setting a deadline to comply with a ban ordered by Congress. A Office of Management and Budget Director uh, Sholanda Young, in a memorandum, called the government agencies to remove and disallow installations of the application on agency-owned and operated IT devices within 30 days and to prohibit internet traffic from such devices to the app. The EU, Canada, and Norway have made similar decisions regarding official devices in recent weeks. There are national security concerns over alleged Chinese spying. I mean, I could look out the window and see a giant balloon floating by. That's, that's not exactly alleged, is it? And it's grown over the past few months. Of course, after the balloon traveled, traversed U.S. airspace and was eventually removed from the air after it collected all the data it needed, of course. There are increased concerns that the popular app can be circumvented for spying or propaganda by the Chinese Communist Party. Beijing hit out at the White House over the order and the app over the app to be removed from the federal devices, accusing the U.S. government of abusing state power to suppress foreign companies. Well, if they don't like that, they're really not going to like what I think they should do. You know, I think it should be gone flat out, no excuses from the entire from all app stores. Period. We firmly oppose these those wrong actions, said Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Mao Ning at a regular news briefing on Tuesday. She added that the U.S. government should respect the principles of the market economy and fair competition 
stop suppressing the companies and provide an open and fair non-discriminatory environment for foreign companies in the US. Are you kidding me? Have you ever tried to do business in China? If you look at the way that China deals with um with any kind of foreign competition, you would know that this is absolutely rich coming from the government that welded its own citizens in their apartments. How unsure of itself can the world's top superpower like the United States United States be to fear young people's favorite app like that? This is like totally the oh show take your you know, oh it's so similar it's so similar why are you so so afraid because I because it is so similar you Americans have huge bean you know that that's like th this is literally what they're doing. Chinese ownership of the popular app has raised fears that Beijing could use it to collect data on Western users. We already know they've done this, or push pro-China narratives and misinformation. TikTok is owned by ByteDance, a Chinese company that moved its headquarters to Singapore in 2020. A recently introduced bill in Congress could also effectively ban TikTok throughout the entire United States, according to American Civil Liberties Union. Congress must not censor entire platforms and, take, and strip Americans of their constitutional right to freedoms of speech and expression, ACLU Senior Policy Counsel Jenna Leventoff said in release. The ACLU, didn't you craft a lie for uh, misheard? Didn't you do that? Wasn't that you, ACLU? So I don't really have anything. I don't want to. The ACLU is an activist organization nowadays. We have a right to use TikTok and other platforms to exchange our thoughts. No, removing platform is a, banning a Chinese owned platform is not affecting anyone's free speech whatsoever. You don't need TikTok to express freedom of speech. You can do it outside in the street. You can do it on any one of the other millions of apps that exist. TikTok is not. Uh, and anyway, you want to get into the down and nitty gritty of this. TikTok does not allow for freedom of speech. I mean, my short, the short videos that I do, which are just like, hey, look at this weirdo. And here's why they're wrong. Wildly popular on the platform. Banned. We have the right. Yeah, the company did not immediately respond to the White House guidance. This follows the Canadian government's decision on Monday to ban TikTok from all government phones and devices, citing fears about how much access Beijing had to user data. Effective Tuesday, the TikTok application will be removed from government-issued mobile devices. Users of these devices will also be blocked from downloading the application in the future, the government said in its statement. The European Commission banned the app from its equipment too. But I think this is not far enough. It should just be banned. It, either that or their moderation policies have to change. Because what I believe is that the app absolutely is used to push propaganda. Like, absolutely, positively pushing propaganda. And they're doing it the same way that Twitter and Facebook has. Like, that's literally what the, you know, this is what the problem we had with Twitter, right? Like, they live under the protection of Section 230, but they are being a publisher by blocking anybody with different opinions. This is TikTok has repeatedly rejected accusations that it shares data or cedes control of the Chinese government, but they do. They've been caught multiple times. The TikTok's breakneck rise to niche video sharing app and global media behemoth has brought plenty of scrutiny, particularly over its links to China. The company was forced to admit ByteDance employees in China had, in fact, accessed American data 
but had always denied turning over personal information to the Chinese authorities. Well, why are they accessing Americans' data then? TikTok has moved to soothe U.S. fears, announcing that in June 2022, it would store all data on American users on U.S.-based servers. Yeah, but it didn't stop them from logging in. Fans have not halted TikTok's growth, with more than a billion active users in the sixth most used, most used social media platform worldwide, according to the We Are Social app. Now, remember, the, there was people in these exposés or these leaks that said, there are people back in Beijing that had direct access to all the data in America anyway, and that they had accessed it multiple times, if I remember that, if I'm remembering that correctly. So, you know, I, I have absolutely no problem getting rid of this. Federal agencies removing it. There's a bill in Congress right now to completely remove it. Um, I, I support this a thousand percent. And um, what I am worried about, um, you know, is, you know, is this the new moving, you know, now we're going to finally start worrying about China again. And so the American people forget about what's going on with all of our money in Ukraine. I don't know, but for this, you know, millions of, of the screams of thoughts worldwide could be heard at the, at the prospect of TikTok being banned. And I couldn't care less. It's another day and another weird lawsuit uh, going after Black Rifle Coffee Company. Now, uh, full disclosure, obviously, I have a coffee company. Um, and uh, I, But I don't view Black Rifle as a competitor. They are so massive. I mean, they're publicly traded. I'm not eating any of their lunch. So, uh, And I also want to say that the owners of this company have always been really nice to me. Um, They've uh, connected me with people in the industry, things of that nature, and that these are just, of course, allegations. But it also goes towards kind of a bigger issue going on in the space, um, apparently. And this is kind of a weird one. So here's a, a current lawsuit. Um, it says, here, Evan Hafer, what's going on at Black Rifle Coffee? I wonder why they're not... I've been seeing this more on Twitter. Is it that it's broken? Uh, your accountant out, out dueled you in a competition, so you proceeded to try to humiliate him um, because he's a Mormon with more moderate attitudes towards, towards hooking up. This is, I mean, Black Rifle Coffee has innumerable lawsuits against them. And you wonder exactly kind of what's driving it. You know, it seems like, you know, a lot of people that I really respect, uh, have have backed them you know and, and stick by them and so that kind of holds a lot of weight with me but if you remember essentially where all of this started we're kind of the the golden boy of um non-leftist coffee they did an interview um with the new york times and in that in that interview they said some heinous things the way they were worded came across as like hey uh, you know, we're, half our customers are, you know, bad guys from WW2 and uh, all this kind of stuff. Um, you see, it was a mistake for anyone who considers themselves a conservative to give access to the New York Times. Their words will be twisted and taken out of context. New York Times is not a news organization. They are part of the propaganda machine. You know, you see Zengleri, Zeng, Zengerli, the writer, goes out of the way to identify Hafer as Jewish 
He writes this paragraph, which seems misleading at best. Uh, I would never want my brand to be represented in that way, shape, or form, Hafer said, because that's not me. And yet Black Rifle has made conspicuously little public effort to separate itself from Munchell. I don't know who that is. This is a sharp departure from its handling of the Kyle Rittenhouse incident. Following pressure from the company, Schaefer deleted his tweets, and Hafer released a video statement in which he clarified that while Black Rifle believed in the Constitution and the Second Amendment to the, and the right to bear arms, and that a person is innocent until proven guilty, the company didn't sponsor Rittenhouse. We're not in the business of profiting from tragedy. Now, if you remember, there was uh, the situation where Kyle was out on bail, I believe, and he was pictured in a Black Rifle t-shirt or a Black Rifle uh, hat or something like that, I remember. And Black Rifle Coffee immediately came out to disavow him. In fact, I don't even think they called him by name and said, hey, this is, uh, you know, the Kenosha boy or something like that. They have seemingly have, has since, have since mended fences with Kyle, but it really pissed off their customer base. I mean, this is Black Rifle Coffee. You're like, you know, 2A, all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, and I think, What's interesting here is the way these two paragraphs also were worded. You can't let sections of your customers hijack your brand and say, this is who you are, Best told me. It's not like, no, we define that. The Rittenhouse episode may have cost the company thousands of customers, but Hafer believed it also allowed Black Rifle Coffee to draw a line in the sand. It's such a repugnant group of people, Hafer said. It's like the worst in American society. I've got to flush the toilet of some of these people. That kind of hijacked portions of the brand. Then again, what Hafer insisted was a super clear delineation was not clear to everyone um, because, well, it was weird. And he said, the racism stuff really pisses me off, Hafer said. I hate this proud boyish people. Like, I'll pay them to leave my customer base. I'll gladly chop off all those people out of my effing customer base and pay them to get the F out. If that was the case, I asked, had Black Rifle, which sells a thin blue line coffee, considered changing the name of its Beyond Black Coffee, a dark roast it has sold for years, to Beyond Black Lives Matter, surely that would alienate the racist polluting its customer base. This is, I mean, this moment in time when Black Rifle Coffee kind of, um, you know, really had some cracks showing of where they were getting really big and they were doing interviews, and, and pissing off their customers, it inspired me to start Coffee Brand Coffee. Like the whole reason I started this company is you'll notice, like, literally down to the brand, it's 001, 002. You know, I have all of the same, more delicious, more delicious, and more freshly roasted options, in my opinion. Um, and we're growing fast. Promo code the quartering to save if you want. We're growing super fast. And I think it's because we stay out of the political stuff. If you stay out of the, if you get in, if you jump into the politics stuff, okay, if you jump into that pool, you can get a ton of money really fast. Um, I mean, there were even coffee companies that, that, that opened up that were like, I think there was one literally called Coffee Coffee, something like along that lines. They probably sold a bunch right away, but where are they today? That's why I started Coffee Brand Coffee. Now, Black Rifle Coffee is essentially a merch company that also sells coffee. I see their stuff everywhere. And they're super successful in that. That's why I want to work hard to, I've got some new merch coming out from my coffee company. But, you know, this stuff, though, is a little bizarre. So here's a, a lawsuit um, that says, th this is the form. Actually, I can just pull up the actual lawsuit. 
Um, this is Mr. Roper is a male, resides in, resides in Salt Lake County of Utah. He's former employee of BRCC. BRCC is a foreign limited liability company doing business in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mr. Hafer is an individual who is employed by BRCC as its CEO. So here are the claims. On July 17th, back to 2016, now this is a brand new, or this just came to light. I don't know where this court case is. This isn't, maybe it's dated at the end, but this kind of just popped out. Uh, I don't know when this is. This is dated 629. Interesting. So we have an ex-employee here, and it says... He started working there on July 17, 2016. On July 30th, Mr. Hafer and Mr. Roper competed in a uh, marksmanship match at Wasatch Wing and Clay Range. Mr. Roper had taken first place in the competition. Mr. Hafer was very angry that Mr. Roper had beaten him. Mr. Hafer expressed his anger to Roper, and this is when Mr. Hafer began to treat Mr. Roper in an extremely hostile and domineering manner. It, it happened within two weeks. Mr. Hafer felt... Like his reputation as an excellent marksman among the military special forces community was threatened by Mr. Roper when other military competitions heard the results. Early in 2016, Mr. Roper was forced to strip down and participate in a marketing video where his image was digitally altered to look like he was completely in his birthday suit. Mr. Roper was not given a proper opportunity to refuse to participate in this video and he felt like he had yeah, had he refused to participate, he would have lost his job. Eh, you didn't have to participate. And I don't think being like entry-level BRCC employee is... These lawsuits are weird. Just another bizarre lawsuit. In the video, he's asked to pretend to do sit-ups in a room with various other men who are allegedly having a hot dog party. The video was meant to poke fun at the LGBTQ, and Mr. Roper participated in that video against his will and as a condition of his employment. The video had been seen by thousands of people on the internet, much to Mr. Roper's embarrassment and humiliation. I mean, on or about August 15th, Evan Hafer called Roper into his office. In front of Mr. Roper and several other people in the office, Mr. Hafer took off all his clothes and stood in front of Mr. Roper completely... What?! What? This is so wild. It has to be true. So he got, and he's wearing absolutely nothing. Then Mr. Hafer acted as if he had expected some sort of response from Mr. Roper. Instead, Mr. Roper averted his eyes and tried to turn the conversation back to work. Why did he take up? What happened here? Several days later, Mr. Roper and Mr. Hafer were working alone in the conference room when Mr. Hafer turned to Mr. Roper and said, Why don't we close that door? And, and butt F this S out of each other. What? Mr. Roper rejected the proposition and the meeting continued in awkward tension. What's happening? What's happening at Black Rifle Coffee? Now, maybe this was just a bad joke. Maybe this was a, a, just a bad joke. Uh, after Mr. Roper had rejected Mr. Hafer's advances and failed to comment upon Mr. Hafer's <laughs> nude body, 
Mr. Hayford became openly hostile to Mr. Roper. By approximately early 2016, Mr. Hayford had been calling Mr. Roper a mountain Jew. I've never even heard of that. As a derogatory term, because he was one of the few LDS in the office. Oh, he's a Mormon. So he called him a mountain Jew? Sounds funny. I've never even heard of it. Mr. Hafer started being very mean and hateful towards Roper in front of other employees. On the 21st at 8 a.m., Mr. Roper participated in a three-way call with Chief Operating Officer Rod Rudd, himself, and Mr. Hafer. In this call, Mr. Roper told Mr. Rudd uh, and Mr. Hafer that he was concerned with the way he was being treated and that he demanded he be treated more professionally and respectfully. Mr. Hafer became very angry and said, Roger that, to Roper, and warned him that if he said one more word that he would be terminated on the spot. Mr. Roper saw an increase in Mr. Hafer's hostility towards him from that day forward. In early November, Roper was tasked with developing an HR department for BRCC. His role as HR manager, Mr. Roper spoke with many new employees who complained about being on the receiving end of bad behavior and complained that Mr. Hafer and others in middle and upper management were using military-style management model, which was replete with harassment and racism. No examples, though. On or about the middle of November 2016, Mr. Roper reported to Mr. Rudd and Mr. Hafer that he was the company was at risk because of the work environment that Mr. Hafer had created. Uh, Mr. Rudd agreed with Mr. Roper, but rather than change his behavior, Mr. Hafer asked Mr. Roper as human resource director to contact BRCC's attorney and have her draft an employee contract that allows me to do whatever the F I want to an employee without being sued. Mr. Roper contacted the attorney with Hafer's request, and the attorney said that that wasn't possible. Still, Mr. Hafer continued to harass Roper. Sounds like he didn't like him. Uh, I don't know the idea that about the, you know, getting into your birthday suit. Um, you know, I, what is this? While at the strip club, Mr. Bollinger was not satisfied with Mr. Roper simply being in the club, but insisted he paying for him to have a private dance. Mr. Roper was humiliated and embarrassed. Didn't want to be seen as more of an outsider than he was, so he endured the events. Oh, lap dance is so awful. Um, then on uh, February 17, 2017, Matt Best, owner of BRCC, openly teased Mr. Roper because he had never taken the dirt road with a woman. Why are you even talking about this stuff at work? This is a wild lawsuit. This is wild. Now, the money for judgment entered for Mr. Roper, he wants a money judgment entered in the favor of all this other kind of stuff. These things never really say, you know, these are, he's got all sorts of exhibits in here too. Yikes. He's not asking for that much money, I guess. Consideration given in exchange for waiving rights to legal action and consideration for Brennan's waiver, his rights to pursue legal action, Black Rifle, Coffee agrees to immediately pay in full the following amounts. Reimbursement for the use of personal cell phone for nine months of employment. That's $1,600. Nine months of personal vehicle use, $1,100. Unused vacation, 10 days. A settlement equal to two months gross wages. He's making $5,500 a month. That's pretty good money. $11,000. So they paid out his employment. Made it go away. Weird. I wonder why this is resurfacing now. Interesting. Well, uh, yeah, maybe don't uh, have your employees, maybe don't get like undressed in front of your employees and do that kind of stuff. But 
there's a million of these like spurious lawsuits against Black Rifle. There's even an article that's like Black Rifle companies being sued by an RTD beverage cult, cult consultancy. This was a week ago because they're selling like ready to drink coffee. There's, there's like a magnet for lawsuits. There's a this is more business lawsuit stuff. Um, harassing your Mormon employee. That's probably not good. Stephen Colbert might be maybe the most insufferable man on TV. He has completely sold his soul, if he ever had one, uh, in order to back kind of the uh, uh, mainstream messaging. Oh, I have my, I'm back on my office. Hold on. No message. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's been a while since I've been back uh, in front of my office, but yesterday we kind of had a pretty big bombshell report where the United States Department of Energy had come out and said, Hey, you know, that thing that, you know, uh, liberal media has been caught, you know, saying that you literally can't say, and that you can't possibly, uh, you know, believe. And if you do believe it, you're like the worst person on the planet. And if you, uh, you know, if you do speak it online, you should be banned. It's really bizarre. Let me, let me, um, <clears throat> when you spend enough time on the internet, like I do, and like many of you do, I wonder if you're noticing the same thing. And by the way, there's something going on with my YouTube channel. I don't know what it is, but it's certainly not recommending my videos as often to my subscribers. But uh, if you haven't yet subscribed, please do subscribe down below and turn notifications on. Hopefully that will write itself soon. But have you noticed kind of the shift from talking about Ukraine to now talking about China again? Uh, we had TikTok banned. <clears throat> then now suddenly the left is like, oh, yeah, it's definitely curious uh, that this leak theory, mm, it looks like maybe there's some truth to it. Six months ago, they called you all conspiracy theorists if you thought that, or racist, or all, you know, all sorts of other terrible things. Um, you know, because that's what the left does. You should be banned. You should be. Now suddenly, you had Chink Uger come out and say, "Oh yeah, maybe that's just a thing." Then you see Colbert having a total meltdown. This is from Tom Elliott. Um, well, I should probably follow him as a credit. Uh, Stephen Colbert attacks the Department of Energy for investigating for its investigation, finding the coup likely came from a lab leak. Quote, stay in your lane. You see, Colbert knocks the EPA for shipping Ohio. Uh, oh, that's the wrong article. <laughs> um, here it is. Stay in your lane. Of course, this is what they say. It's like, wait a minute. I've been gaslighting my viewers for the past three years, telling them that, oh, it's just a weird co-winky-dink. Uh, by the way, a lot of this stuff was funded by Americans too. You know, if you want a black pill, uh, there you have it. But, you know, stay in your lane. He's ha he's, has a whole, his whole uh, monologue is about, you know, whining and complaining about this. And then, of course, Stephen Colbert ripped for willful rejection of reality after taunting the Energy Department and their report on where... The coof perhaps came from. It's funny how, like, <clears throat> you know, all these nighttime hosts who are supposedly free thinkers and all this kind of stuff, they all got right in lockstep. We're going to get into that in a minute. 
Late Show host Stephen Colbert was ripped on Twitter after he ridiculed a bombshell report um, from the Energy Department assessing where the coup came from, of course, originating in a laboratory. Colbert was accused of mischaracterizing and downplaying the Wall Street Journal report on the classified documents during his Monday Night Show monologue. Well, there it is. Blah, blah, blah. We just said that. If you're like me, um, you know, we ha- we, I just showed you that. Um, stay in your lane, Colbert. So outkick sports reporter Ian Miller said the monologue illustrates Colbert's endless willful rejection of reality. It's impossible for people like Colbert to accept information that means Fauci and their other political allies lied to the public. There is an endless willful rejection of reality to protect their ideology of undeserved sense of self-importance. Several Twitter users poked fun at Colbert's suggestion of the Energy Department, quote, stay in their lane. When Colbert tells the Energy Department to stay in their lane, he actually what he actually means is, you're on our team. Don't you ever say anything to make us look bad again. Fox News contributor and New York Post columnist Carl Mankiewicz tweeted, uh, you know, you see, of course, Dr. Colbert wants the Department of Energy to stay in his lane. Uh, this, of course, you know, after promoting the poke endlessly, demanding Americans get it. And look, again, I have no opinion on that. You do what you feel is best for your body. Uh, but, you know, I think that it's pretty hypocritical from a guy that has been endlessly promoting this thing to suddenly be, you know, saying, well, this information's good, but this information's actually not good. Media critic and Fox News contributor Joe Contra suggested that Colbert's comments reminded him of when the comedian was more political when President Trump was in office. Vintage Colbert, not at all in a good way. Washington Examiner reporter Jerry Dunleavy noted how the liberal comedian omitted how other intelligence agencies, including FBI, if I remember right from that report, also had a low confidence in their belief that it occurred naturally. Notice how Colbert emphasizes that the Energy Department has a low confidence in the leak, brings up the NIC and four other agencies learning natural origin, but doesn't mention that it only has low confidence. Doesn't mention at all that the moderate confidence is the FBI leak, he tweeted. Funny Colbert didn't tell Jon Stewart to stay in his lane when he said the very same thing about the Energy Department a year ago on his show, Washington Free Beacon. Editor Brent Shear wrote, I mean, this is exactly it. I mean, this is, you go here, Jon Stewart recounts angry backlash. Jon Stewart is as liberal as they get, right? Like, like a super lib, right? And his uh, own side absolutely torched him for even suggesting that this was a thing. Called him all sorts of things, conspiracy theorists and all this kind of stuff. For just having an opinion, for perhaps considering that maybe this happened. Former Daily Show host Jon Stewart recalled being stunned by liberal anger toward him Monday when he espoused the theory that it began with a perhaps leak. Upon news of the Department of Energy's assessment that that is indeed likely to be the case, Stewart discussed his memorable June 2021 experience, I'm sorry, appearance on The Late Show with his friend Colbert, where he said it was a clear explanation for the pandemic. During his conversation with staffers from the Apple show The Problem, Stewart recalled receiving heavy criticism from the left, his assertion that it could have leaked from the lab. First of all, I wasn't waiting on the Department of Energy to weigh in on this, Stewart said. A larger problem is all of this inability to discuss things that are within the realm of possibility 
without falling into absolutes and litmus testing each other for our own political political allegiances that arose from that. My bigger problem was that it was I was thought it was a pretty good bit that I expressed kind of how I felt, and the other two things came out of the only two things that came out of it was that I was racist against Asian people, and how dare I align myself with the alt right? I mean, these are your people, right? The backlash was swift and immediate and quite loud. And again, I didn't take that personally. Why would you? Like, we live in a world where I have my opinions. I'm not mad at the backlash either, either because they're doing what I'm doing, expressing themselves. Stewart then laid out his objections to his critics, who argued that he took an all-or-nothing perspective. That part I don't like about absolutes is it's dismissive. Like, F you. I'm done with you. I'll never forgive you. You've crossed an unforgivable line. Blah, 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 blah. Stewart joked that he might as well put Hillary for prison on his head because after his remarks on the show, people labeled him a Republican. The former late night show host often discusses politics. There's no doubt that, you know, John Stewart is uh, a lefty. Like that's, you know, that's obvious. Colbert is like a whole nother level. And then you could see Comedy Central's Hassan Minaj then goes after the Department of Energy also for investigating the lab theory saying, I'm holding out until the DMV chimes in again the this they do oversee biolabs they're just pretending that they have absolutely no credibility they're like oh well uh it's the department of energy there's no way this could possibly uh uh you shouldn't listen to this except you know the fbi also agrees with them and other agencies agree with them so you get hassan minaj doing it and then you see if you're wondering if jimmy kimmel made uh, if you're wondering, Jimmy Kimmel made no reference to the Department of Energy's leak report, despite having previously called this a conspiracy theory. So you had Jimmy Kimmel going out of his way to ignore it. You had uh, Colbert having an, an absolute meltdown about it. Hassan Minaj getting right in line and passing on the government propaganda. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, why does this have to be about political sides? Like, it sure would be nice if this was just like, Hey, we're all Americans here. We've all been, you know, damaged by this all around the world. I feel like it's a completely reasonable thing to want to know where this thing came from and, you know, what can be done about it. Um, and if there need to be any, well, retribution for it. Interesting situation going on right now between Elon Musk and the CCP. If you followed the channel yesterday and any other channels that cover actual news, you'll see that there was a Department of Energy report that came out that uh, further agreed with the idea that this, you know, the coof came from a certain lab and, you know, came out via leak. Now, here's one interesting thing is people aren't talking about whether or not it was on purpose. I certainly hope not. There's no evidence of that. But sometimes your mind just goes to a dark place. That said, the Department of Energy came out to also agree with the FBI and a couple other organizations that this is the most likely thing that happened. And people like Stephen Colbert and the, and the far left were having absolute meltdowns. Elon, of course, has been critical of, well, just about everything around the coup, including the poke. And now, apparently, the CCP has warned Elon, which is essentially a direct threat because of his... Tesla business there to stop sharing the report stating that the coof came from them. This is going to be an important 
really, really important uh, thing here. You know, when you look at his his Twitter lately, he really hasn't been that controversial. In fact, many people, um, you know, even my my videos on Elon don't do as well as they used to do. But what's interesting is I don't see, unless he deleted it, I don't see him sharing that report. So they must be talking about Twitter. They must be saying that he's got to maybe suppress it on Twitter. I'm not really sure because I see him talking about, you know, chat GPT, rocket engines, um, chat GPT. You know, he's been pretty active on Twitter, I suppose. Um, but I'm not exactly sure where they're saying that, oh, well, he's sharing this information. So he must be uh, uh, interested. He must be talking about that. Yeah, by the way, there is something weird going on with the notifications for tweets on Twitter, of course. But yeah, I don't really see him sharing it. If he had a tweet, it was, you know, not that big a deal. He's mostly been talking about AI. So I'm guessing that they're talking about having it suppressed on Twitter. Potentially. That's just my guess. From the Global Times, Musk, are you smashing China's pot? You can see, in the past two days, another absurd incident has occurred in the American political scene, seeing that so-called, quote, spy balloon incident failed to smear China. So they're basically saying, well, China never did that. I mean, they were, they literally said, in case of, in case you find, please return to China. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, those political forces in the United States are hostile as China and once again hyped up the rumor that the new uh, the new coup was leaked. It's just that their actions this time have exceeded the scope of normal human understanding. Because in order to frame frame Chinese scientists, they have magically made the United De U.S. Department of Energy, a government agency in charge of energy issues, go out to deal with the new coup the traceability. This is their message. Although even American scientists and virologists despise their politicians for their political interference and even distorting science under the hype of America's Wall Street Journal and a group of American right-wing anti-intellectual and anti-China media and under the instigation, right-wing conservatives and the United States Republican Party who control the House of Representatives are eager to gain support and attention attacking China. Even Elon Musk, the boss of Tesla, a well-known American electric car brand, is now involved. Now, this is a direct threat towards the, obviously, the uh, Tesla business in China. You see, Elon needs to decide whether or not he will be censored by the CCP. I mean, this is going to be pretty interesting. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, t you know, Tesla stock obviously would plummet if they couldn't sell their cars in China. That's a big business for him. Um, but Twitter is obviously also a very big business. It's interesting to see, or it's, you know, perhaps frustrating to consider just how, um, how collared it seems like Elon has to be on Twitter in order to not destroy his other businesses, um, you know, between, you know, he says something bad about Tesla, the stock tanks. He says something bad about, you know, uh, uh, Twitter. People freak out. He lays off people at Twitter. People freak out. 
anything he tweets or does, somebody gets offended. Some, you know, Saudi oil maven gets offended. Now that now there's like other, you know, there's all sorts of insanity um, going untied with his it tweets that it must really suck. And you see here at CNBC. Okay, so again, um, oh, Rivian didn't do so good. Rivian posts mixed fourth quarter and underwhelming EV production outlook. Well, they have one car that's really nice. Uh, anyway, a Chinese-run state newspaper issued a warning to Tesla CEO Elon Musk after he shared a report. He shared reporting on the U.S. Department of Energy's quote low confidence um, assessment that everything came out of the lab. The idiom of do you try to break China's pot is uh, an idiom for to bite the hand that feeds you, Yun reported. Tesla has an expansive factory campus in Shanghai, and China is electric vehicle manufacturer's second largest market. The Department of Energy concluded with low confidence that the coup began uh, where we all thought it would, but so it's familiar to the matter stressed NBC News that the conclusion was not viewed as hugely significant. The FBI reached a similar conclusion at a moderate confidence level, level two years ago. Gov the governing Chinese Communist Party has been highly sensitive to the matter, especially as it courts outside investment after months of zero coup lockdowns prompted nationwide protests, CNBC's Eunice, Eunice Yoon reported. You know, it's interesting. I'm not sure where, you know, he... Oh, here's the actual tweet. So... All he did was reply to a tweet. He didn't even share it. You see, this is, of course, Dr. Anthony Fauci feuded, or sorry, funded GOF research in Wuhan. He lied to Congress about it, and now both the FBI and Department of Energy have concluded that the coup originated there. Does that mean Dr. Anthony Fauci funded the development of it? And then Elon says he did it via a pass-through organization Eco Health. This was yesterday, receiving seventy-five thousand likes. I wonder. It's probably worth uh, in real time here to see if he deleted that, because that wouldn't be awesome. That wouldn't be an awesome thing to see. Um, so I'm looking right now. He says he's talking to you. So I was looking before. I really hope he didn't. In honestly, even the the tweet isn't really talking about the potential leak, but it is talking about, um, you know, Fauci and things like that. As I look for this, we're doing, we opened up 50 more spots in our Roaster's Choice program, which will be linked in the description below. It's for uh, coffee heads. Uh, it's for, it's super ultra small batch, different, uh, grower every single month. So you get caught from all over the world and uh, it'll be, and I mean, you'll love it. If you're a coffee head, definitely make sure you pick up one of those spots. They'll definitely fill up today. All right. So I actually found it. Thank goodness. And I thought for a while though, that uh, Elon had deleted it, but it was due to the time zone thing. It was showing a different date on the screenshot than the tweet was actually showing to me here in America. So here's the tweet. Dr. Anthony Fauci, of course, funded this stuff. Does that mean that he funded the development of the COOF? Uh, and here you still see Elon's tweet is still here. And he did it through, past the organization, EcoHealth. 
Hodgson says, so many people have been deplatformed for saying this over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, really, John Stewart was kind of the guy that came out and did that. Now, he stands tall currently, but, oh, that's why I didn't see it. I got sick of seeing, why is this muted? What the heck? Why would it be muted? Koof, maybe? I need to look at my muted keywords. Dang you, Twitter. So anyway, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he deletes this tweet or he, you know, he buries it, which is a common tactic. It seems like there's a lot, you know, he's been, it's not uncommon for Elon to go total tweet storm. You know, the Tesla stock obviously is probably going down today because if they have any questions, yep, <laughs> uh, with China, but it's interesting to see. Let me know what you think in the comment section down below. Certainly, this is a threat, in my opinion. Um, and everyone wants everyone to be quiet. I wonder why that might be. Now, I always love when leftists kind of get dunked on. And in this particular case, um, it is a just a particularly satisfying you know, getting getting destroyed with facts and logic situation where leftists were essentially using uh, somebody's uh, horrible, like the worst thing that, you know, a mother can, ex one of the worst things that a mother can experience. Uh, they were using that to push like pro-choice propaganda. Now, I've been on the record that I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other here. I understand what both sides feel like, but this is via Louder with Crowder. Leftists use Jessa Duggar. I don't know if she's in that family with all the kids and then the one you know one family member i don't know if that's her or i assume um so she she lost her child uh and then they're using it to push pro-choice propaganda until she drops them with the facts since of course roe v wade is overturned there's been unsurprisingly a lot of fear-mongering and misinformation from the left one of the most common uh propaganda claims is that you know uh when a woman has a miscarriage this is actually an abortion, even though it, of course, is not. Uh, of course, it's not true at all, and it's downright insulting to women who have tragically suffered this. I know what it's like. I know I mean, it had to happen with my sister, and it's absolutely brutal. It's no laughing matter. It's, it's not the time to push your agenda. Um, it's certainly not you know, up to you to call it something completely different. One such woman is former reality TV star Jessa Duggar, Okay, well, now we know that answer. Duggar told the story of her of losing her child on her YouTube channel last week. Leftist media quickly picked up the story and claimed that she had an abortion, trying to twist the story into an ad for those rights. Writer and activist Josie Duffy Rice tweeted, quote, To be clear, this is a member of one of the most famous vocally uh, pro-life families admitting that she got what? Literally what? Uh, whoops, tweet's been deleted. Uh, Jezebel's headline read, Jessa Duggar Seawald uh, had uh, the procedure, even if she won't say the words. Let's see how that's going for her. Let's see how that, all these outlets, by the way, using this woman's uh, tragedy, and you see here, here are the, you know, you see, apologize and retract, saying that it's that, but they claimed it's a miscarriage is still liable. I hope she sues you into oblivion. Jezebel pushes propaganda. They won't even say the, even if they won't say the word, 
this reporting, hmm, y'all despicable. This is why journalists aren't taking seriously. I mean, everybody like just completely like, why would you even write this filth? You know, it's like, they're like, ha 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 ha. You know, baby's dead. Ha 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 ha. Vote for our guy. Ha 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 ha. A mother and, and father suffered, you know, probably the worst pain they're ever going to feel in life. Ha 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 ha. Vote Biden. Ha 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 ha. And like the way it's written, written is just dripping with um, just disgusting celebration almost. Over the weekend, the evangelical Christian disclosed that her latest pregnancy ended in a DNC, which she and several media outlets framed as a miscarriage. Well, yeah. I mean, wh- why? Why would you write this article? How like how rotten do you have to be? Of course, you see this. Women have DNCs for many reasons, not all of which involve uh, losing a living human being. The ultrasound revealed that I had mi- that I had a missed miscarriage. So the baby had already passed away. My baby's heart had stopped beating three weeks before I had a DNC. By the way, this wasn't my first DNC. It was my second. My first was two two weeks postpartum. Ivy's birth for a retained placenta. Oh, fun fun fact. Each person is created in the image of God, and to purposely destroy a baby in the womb is an affront to the God who created that life. There's a world of difference between someone passing away and some and somebody killing them. To equate one to the other and to a mother grieving the loss of her baby no less is severely distasteful. This is a world of difference between there's a world of difference between a mortician and a murderer. Even a child understands the difference between the two. Just absolutely destroyed. These attacks against a mourning mother are unbelievably disgusting. Luckily, Jessa didn't shy away from the fight. She hit back on Instagram. On Instagram, started sorry writing what I just read. Um, in a sh- it is shocking how many leftists equate these two things simply because the name of the procedure used to remove the child is the same. The narrative of, uh, completely divorces the intent of the procedure from the outcome. You know, obviously, in one of the cases, the child is still alive. Right. In the other case, obviously, in, in, in Jessa Duggar's case, it had passed away three weeks before that. That's got to be a whole nother level of kind of mind F, you know, and like this, this woman really wrote all these articles. And then if you look at these replies, like, except the Duggars will never admit that she had this procedure. So to do so, be admitting that it's needed for legitimate health care reasons. Except the baby was already passed away. It's like, I, I don't even understand. By the way, the issue here is the media going with the cult framing. I, I mean, all these people, all these people in here just immediately believe it, like, and retweet it. And it's just so sad. Obviously, this is like one of the worst, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't know. I only just, I just look pregnant. I'm not actually pregnant, but like, Man, I just feel, imagine reading that article too, where the media is dunking on you, losing your baby. Like, imagine that. 
Like they're dunking on her losing her baby and then using it to push their agenda. Is there anything worse? I suppose there's the whole, uh, you know, people that, you know, while the bodies are still warm in these, in these terrible events that happen in the United States in the schools, uh, that run out and do the same talking points, T's and P's from one side and the other side's like, no, nothing's going to, we can't change a single thing. And then it just happens. You see life news fall. She did not. She had a tragic miss. I mean, like this is one of the absolute, I mean, this is an unspeakably shameful take really wild. How people are arguing that it's, you know, that these two things are the same. It's, it's like, I feel like we just got to take a look at the quote tweets. What purpose does pretending that having a medical procedure following miscarriage is the same as choosing to do that type of thing? No, I don't know. None. You're a liar. People magazine and other outlets accepted Duggar's framing of the experience as a miscarriage, which would be fine, except that the anti-abortion celebrity literally having uh, an abortion is probably something that's worth discussing, but she's not. Li- she didn't literally have that. This is willful delusion, a harmful messaging of a DNC being at all different from a surgical. It's sinister. I mean, what is what is going on? And this so like this is what happens when you know she decides to share this type of thing. If you look at Parade Magazine too, um, this one's like she opened up about a life saving medical procedure and emotional video. That's also weirdly framed. Um, you know. You see, this article is outrageously misleading, dis- disappointing. I hope she sues you for every penny. I hope she sues. Total lies. I mean, maybe you should hire a doctor so you don't tweet lies like this. All these people, like, oh, it's so gross. This is why I hate journalists so much. It's like, is there no, is there no more vile um, human on the planet than the modern-day journalist? The fact that Parade Magazine, that um, Jezebel, which is a feminist website, all these people uh, decided that they would just willfully re uh, reframe what happened to this woman, a terrible thing, to try and dunk on her is, is sick. Back in November. Like, I don't really know who this person is. I didn't watch that TV show. Um, they clearly pretty popular on YouTube, so good for them. Um, but again, like this is whole, like, I thought we're supposed to live and let live and maybe not, maybe not like, you know, use this terrible moment in this woman's life to, uh, to dunk on her. I absolutely hope she sues them into oblivion. Uh, I would happily contribute to any kind of GoFundMe to go after Jezebel magazine, which is owned by GNO media, which is owned by. Another company now that was run by Kotaku. I would happily promote that. So, you know, these these liars, these lies have to stop. And um, it's just so sad that you would use this woman losing her baby so that you could push. I mean, there's so many other opportunities. You just said, "Oh, she's a Christian, so um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna use this to uh, push our propaganda." Absolutely disgusting. If you haven't been watching uh, The Last of Us on HBO, apparently you're in a minority as it's one of the best performing shows in HBO streaming history. And I think you can pretty much deduct, deduce why that is that way is because it had a huge 
built-in audience. And the show itself, in my opinion, is pretty mid. If I was like a huge Last of Us fan, I'd be watching it. And this is a game that tens of millions of people have played. So you're not talking about a small audience. This is a huge audience of super dedicated fans. However, they are also using the show to ramp up the wokeness a little bit, uh, swapping, race swapping characters and making an entire episode about a, a dude on dude love story that felt like wasted time given so few episodes and so much going on. But as we end season one and as the show has been successful, a lot of uh, the cast seems to uh, be happy to kind of poke the bear a little bit. Here we have a CNN article from today saying, The Last of Us actress Storm Reid has advice for homophobic viewers of the show. What? Reid Storm shared her thoughts about one thing that has raised ire among the viewers of the HBO drama, the depiction of girl, you know, LGBTQ relationships, which is, of course, a big deal to the director for some reason. 19-year-old star talked to EW about the homophobic backlash following episode three, which was really the biggest crime was that it was boring. Um, you know, they implied that those characters were gay in the video game. In the movie, this is like a perfect example, like they imply it in the video game, but in the television show, they come right out and say it and give you a full episode of it, which is really, it's just like a gay romance for a full hour. Now, if you're into that, more power too. You probably really like that episode, but I found it to be extremely boring. You know, Bill is a character that, you know, he's presented as a supreme alpha planner, prepper, all this stuff. And then for some reason, he stands out in the middle of the street and absorbs a bullet, something he would never do. He's also apparently out in the middle of the street with one of his worst weapons from his arsenal. Again, something that made zero sense. But these are the things I remember from that episode. Not that, you know, Nick Offerman, um, you know, was, you know, dating a married to a dude. I didn't really care about that. I just wanted something to actually happen in the episode. But if you criticize that, they called you homophobic. Like Bella said when episode three came out, if you don't like it, don't watch. Yikes. Although they are currently holding the W because a lot of people are, you know, watching the show. So I think that's pretty based, but or pretty, uh, pretty less. It's not very risky when you've seen the, the viewership numbers, but I think that that's fine advice. You know, I think we, we saw this with uh, gender field five or battlefield five when they said, if you don't like it, don't buy it. And then nobody bought it. People are watching the show because they love The Last of Us. And I know what that's like. When, you, when, you, when you're like a real big fan of the franchise, like I probably gave Ghostbusters Afterlife a little too much credit. And I even said that in my review. I'm like, the movie's a hard six, probably. But because of the way they handled the original Ghostbusters, um, especially those that had passed away, it, it, it felt like you know I gave it an eight. But I knew that was an inflated score. Um, Sonic, you know, if you're a big Sonic fan, the Sonic movies are pretty good. Objectively, they're good. But if you're a Sonic fan, you'll think it's a little bit better than it probably is. And I think that that's totally fine. People have their biases. But when you're talking about, you know, there's really no um, penalty for this kind of stuff anymore. You can come right out, blast the fans. 
And this article says the last of us director admits to tricking audiences to push gay storylines and propaganda. I mean, we knew about Frank anyway. Um, I don't think anyone was surprised by that. Uh, the people that didn't know about the video game probably would have been figuring, well, it's on HBO, so there's got to be some sweet dude-on-dude -dude action. Um, and then you have, so I don't know. You know, In an interview, though, with Inverse, regarding the third episode of the series, Hor was asked how he approached directing actors Nick Offerman and Murray, Murray Bartlett through the episode. As part of his answer, he stated, quote, sometimes you have to trick the rest of the world into watching these things before they're like, Oh my God, it was two guys. I just realized. I think then they might understand it's all real and it's just the same love. So you could read this really charitably and say, oh, he's just saying that he really wanted it to be organic and then we didn't want it to be, um, you know, too forced. Or you could read it like many of us do and say, interesting. You know, you're literally saying, yeah, we think about these things beforehand and then we cram it into the show and we try to get trick you to watching it. Um, I don't, you know, I look at this obviously because it's Hollywood extremely uncharitably. Uh, I think that this is like an open admission that like, well, we're more interested in tricking the audience into propaganda than putting together a good show. Now, I don't think you can objectively say that The Last of Us on HBO is a bad television show. I don't think that would be fair. I mean, I guess if zombies aren't your thing or, you know, I don't know. I think that it's a fine television show. And if you're already paying for HBO Max, I think there are worse things that you could watch. But, you know, again, my biggest gripe about episode three was not that, you know, there was uh, two men who were in a relationship. It was that how poorly... Uh, and how much time they wasted on it. I mean, it was clearly like award season bait. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, they could have had the relationship and they, maybe they could have spent more time fighting zombies. They had all those traps set up, right? All these intricate traps that you saw for like a split second. I think that like that would have been better than they could have than just focusing on them lovemaking and all this boring like day-to-day -day relationship stuff that you would never see in a modern show between a man and a woman. Uh, so, I mean, I think that that's pretty obvious. Um, the fact that they were both, you know, uh, you know, uh, white men is even more shocking, but like in, it's not the same love What the show and the director are trying to depict as love is anything, but what they're depicting is sin and lust. Now, if you are a religious person, uh, I could see taking this position. I am not anti-religious. I just, I'm very open with my audience that like. I don't have super strong religious convictions, but I also totally respect those that do. Um, but you, you know, this article talks about, you know, obviously what you might read in the Bible and things of that nature. Despite the obvious truth, though, actress Bella Ramsey revealed that the show would continue to push sin as a normal behavior. She told GQ, "Quote: I know some people will think what they want to think, but they're gonna have to get used to it. If you don't want to watch a show because it has gay storylines," Because it has a trans character, that's on you and you're missing out. It isn't going to make me afraid. I think it comes from a place of defiance. Yeah, really bold. It's like coming out in Hollywood as gay in 2023. Boring. It's not heroic or bold. Now that's why, that, that's why all these other genders are coming out now. 
because they couldn't get the same clout. Her fellow actress, Storm Reid, also recently told Variety, I think Bella put it perfectly a couple weeks ago, if you don't like it, don't watch. There are so many other things to worry about in the world. I think being concerned about who people love is just absurd to me. I just don't. I will never understand it. I don't get it. She added. Look, I don't... I actually agree with that statement. I think that... I don't think... I mean, I, don't, I am not concerned that there are gay people in the movie. I mean, I think that that's a straw man that the left presents when people talk about this stuff. They're like, you know, oh, you just don't like... I don't, I don't have any problem with it. I think it's like when they come right out and tell you, like, hey, it's part of our plan to Trojan horse it in here. Um, that that kind of hits a little different for me. You know, it feels a little bit more, like, nefarious, a little bit more propagandistic. It feels a little bit more creepy. It feels a little bit more... Um, you know, uh, well, just off because this is nuts. You know, like they're just come right out and say, oh, well, hey, and then if you don't like it, don't watch it. Well, you know, I'm not watching it. Uh, I watched the first couple episodes and I just, it just didn't hit me. I think for me, the part of it was, it was just picking up momentum. And then you get episode three, which is a one hour long love story. That was like, they're having tea and crumpets in their yard. Like, I just don't care about any of that. And if you look, you know, clearly some people do. People are watching it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like nobody's watching the show. Um, you know, you can see here in the comments, you know, it was handled the same in the game. Well, that's actually just not true. All right, right. No, it wasn't. Frank was dead in the game. That's right. Um, you know, it was implied that he was gay as the player had to figure it out in the show. I'm Bill and I'm gay. It's because, you know, it's all about kind of putting forth this message, forcing it on people. If the show has an audience, they probably haven't been tricked, but rather agree with everything Peter Hoare is saying. The rest of us don't have to watch, and without an audience, it will go the way of so many other shows to substitute representation for good writing. Um, see, this, Corey agrees with me. My issue is there's no reason to make this a full episode. I think they probably did it. Um you know, to generate this buzz. But I mean, look, you can't deny it. You know, do you see here, you know, streaming numbers beat HBO record. There's going to be a season two. You know, I don't really care for um, a lot of the characters in this show. But again, I'm not, I'm not here to pretend that it's objectively bad. Um, but I do think that it's a little creepy that they're going to say, oh, well, we really got to push this or that. I don't think that's part of good storytelling. Um, and I think it's a little nefarious and, and standard woke fare. But this is what you get from mainstream Hollywood in 2023. So, you know, collect those VHSs and get some old school VCRs. Get a couple of them. You'll be set for life. Hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure you leave a like on it. We'll talk to you again real soon.